All right, you ready? I think I'm ready. What episode is this? 47. What's up, guys and gals, and welcome to episode 47 of the What Makes Us Human podcast. We are glad to have you with us. Right here is John Lindeman, and over there is J.R. Parks. J.R., you're doing well, aren't you? I'm doing pretty good. It's It's been a good week. Uh, time change. Thank the Lord. Last night, this morning, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, going to have some nice evenings. It was it was cold here this weekend, though. It was 19 degrees at 8 o'clock this morning. Bruh. It was brisk. It was. Oh, my gosh. I took the dog out, and he just looked at me like, would you poop in the yard in this temperature? <laughs> I'm like, Yeti, you got to go, bro. I've been uh, I've been working on getting getting the tractor going and getting ready to to really get into garden mode, but uh, I'm gonna give it about another month because we can get some late frost here. So I got a few things going, but it'll be probably be Easter weekend that Saturday that I'll I'll plant most of my stuff. Yeah, you really should in North Carolina. You should really be wary of planting anything in the dirt very long before Jesus comes out of the tomb. <laughs> There's something about Easter, man. If you can get past Easter, you're about guaranteed you're good. Which is strange since, you know, some Easter's years, Easter's in March and some it's in April. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty accurate. It's one of the strange Christian holidays based on the lunar calendar. I, I started early last year. I uh, This is not this podcast is not going to be about gardening, but no, that's all but right. No, but it is going to be right now. I started early last year. We had that like really warm February last year. Yes. You remember that? Yeah. So I put my plants out early. And it came back to bite me. Everything just, nothing got killed, but everything just kind of underperformed and was way behind for the rest of the year. So I didn't gain anything by by starting off that early because, you know, cold spells and it just, it just didn't seem to work. Yeah, I I would say this kind of came to mind just now that that gardening too early in the year is kind of like uh, handing a a tablet or a phone to your (laughs) four-year-old. They're going to be behind because you're not reading to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. For the rest of the time, you're going to be a little behind. Yeah, I was hoping I could kind of sneak things in if it was going to be that warm that early. Maybe I could actually get two, like have everything play out by August and then plant again. Yeah. But no, didn't didn't work out. I, I gardened uh, once and it went nuts. It was We don't eat tomatoes at the Lindemann house. Okay. But since I had never gardened, I thought, well, I'll suck at this, and it, it would it, it'd just be what it is. We had tomatoes coming out of our flipping ears. <laughs> I brought them in five-gallon buckets to work to hand. This has been 15 years ago. Yeah. But uh, I took them in five-gallon buckets to hand out. We even have bell peppers. Uh, I learned that year that when you cut a head of cabbage off, you should cut it as high up as you can cut it. And then split the stem still in the ground, and you'll get two more cabbage. And we have more slaw than we could eat at our house. Sounds like a good good uh, opportunity to can some chow chow. Man, I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> the chow chow goes good on a pork chop. Chow chow goes good in beans. In Pintos. beans. On a hot dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm hungry. Maybe chow chow needs to be a subject someday. We could do it. We could. Uh, it's like, I'm sure not all of our listeners know what that is. Oh, chow chow? Yeah. Well, it's just basically a, a relish that's less pickly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's different recipes for it, but it's usually green. It usually has green tomatoes in it. Yeah. And uh, and and cabbage and maybe some peppers if it's going to be a little warm. I can't believe that I eat it, but I do. My wife introduced me to it. She was like, chow chow, meet John Lindemann. 
John Lindemann, Chow Chow. <laughs> Here's what you do with a bowl of pintos. You put Chow Chow in it, you put cornbread in it, maybe you put some onions in it. Boom! Tough acting, to acting. <laughs> Good stuff. You ever had cornbread and milk? We talked about that? Yes, I love cornbread and milk. Oh, man. I said that to my son one day, and he was like, Damn, what? And I'm like, man, it is awesome, dude. That is depression-era food that is delicious. Oh, man. Depression that makes you feel good. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? We are talking about sneakers, I sneakers. believe. Sneakers. On your feet. Stuff that people pay bukus of money for that are always on the floor. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Unless they put them in a shoe rack. Yeah. A plastic at the ends of shoelaces are called aglets. Their true purpose is sinister. So when you were a kid, if we just walked up to you one day in fifth grade and said, Jared, what's on your feet? What would be on your feet? Whatever kind of cheap sneakers came from Walmart or Kmart. I was kind of in the same boat. I got, I got a good pair of Nike or Adidas or something like that for basketball. Oh, okay. But they were, you know, they were to be worn to play basketball. They weren't to be worn outside. They weren't, you know, to get filthy. You didn't wear them to Wendy's. And uh, usually, yeah, every day. By fifth grade, I might have been wearing boots more. But, yeah, I, I would have been wearing, if I was wearing sneakers they, out, out and about, they would have been very cheap. And uh, unless eventually those old, if I could still wear them, those old sneakers from those old basketball shoes would become my everyday shoes. But, of course, when you're a kid, your foot's growing like every six months. So, And you're tall, so I bet yours really did. See, I have a really narrow heel, and so I walk out of shoes. Okay. Like, unless I put a bunch of moleskin in the heel of the shoe. Hmm. You ever use moleskin? I've used it on blisters hiking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, like, if I really like a shoe, I can guarantee you when I put it on, my my heel will just come right out of it as I'm walking. Hmm. Yeah, it's a real pain in the rear. So I kind of had to wear the cheap shoe that I wouldn't walk out of. Sure. I was really styling. I did have a pair of British Knights one time. Remember? Do you remember British Knights? I've heard of them, but I, I couldn't pick them out. Yeah. Was not the cool kid. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, and I didn't discover boots until much later on. I grew up in the city. You kind of grew up more in the country. Yeah, I guess. So, when it comes to sneakers, there was a lot to this. I mean, there's waffle irons, Nazis. I mean, it's just, you name it, man. Uh, Michael Jordan, waffle irons, and Nazis. That's quite a combination. That's a combo, buddy. All right, you ready? Sure. All right, so way back in the 18th century, something called plimsolls were worn. Okay. You ever heard of that? I have not. Plim soles. And uh, they were rubber sole. Uh, they were so archaic is not the word, because when something is contemporary, it's not archaic. They were so simple back then um, that there was not, <laughs> this is weird, there was not a left or a right. Okay. So you could just throw them in the floor and then get up in the morning and just pick one and go. I That could not have felt good. Unless they were just so wide. That didn't matter. And then I would have just whipped right out of it. Which, as I say, then, then they probably slip if that's the case, yeah. And then I would have a blister. And then moleskin. It's always moleskin. Yeah. Or duct tape. I've never used <laughs> If you're on the trail, if you don't have moleskin. Yeah. Now, if I go on the trail, I've got moleskin in my pack, buddy. Because yeah. I, know, I know me and my feet. My ugly hobbit feet. 
1892, so there's a big jump there. So it took a while. Yeah. But by 1892, the U.S. Rubber Company. Okay. That's an interesting name. Where do you work, sir? U.S. Rubber. They created a rubber-soled shoe with a canvas top. Now, that 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 sounds like a Sperry today. The top or cider, the boat Converse. Shoe. Okay, yeah. I all think right. Canvas shoes, rubber-soled canvas shoes. I think, a can, I think a Converse, all stars. Yeah, uh, which is getting ready to come up. Okay. Uh, but they, you know what they called them? The U.S. Rubber Company? What's that? I was blown away by what they called them, and they didn't call them rubbers. <laughs> they called them kids. Okay, yeah. You know those girls' shoes, the white with the blue tag or whatever? I don't know that kids are exclusively girls' shoes. I've never seen a dude in kids. I, I could be wrong. I always thought of kids as just cheap shoes, but okay. maybe that maybe it's more of a slang term than the actual brand. I'm not sure. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Slang term for just cheap. We ought to Walmart. do one we ought to do one on branding, like you know, Kleenex. Sure. Not every Kleenex is a Kleenex. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And like Velcro, you're not supposed to say Velcro on eBay. You got to say hook and loop. Yeah. Branding would be a good one. All right. Where were, okay. So, and they called them kids. Rubber sole, canvas top, and they had figured out they should do a left and a right. Okay. Like everybody else did with shoes. Sure. Yeah. That's, to me, that's just dumb (laughs) with the plant soles. Maybe they were more like, uh, more like muck boots where they're almost, uh, you know, they're worn for a specific purpose, usually for a limited amount of time. So maybe it doesn't matter so much. Yeah, you're not going on a date night in muck boots. Yeah. If you're smart. Yeah. Right. Uh, by 1917, they were being mass produced. And we know the mass production was probably kicked into gear by war by that point. You know, 1917. Yeah. yeah that kind of thing. Also, here we go. You made the jump, and here it is. Also in 1917, Marquis Converse, I think that's his name, Marquis Converse created a basketball shoe called the All-Star. Worst ankle support ever for basketball. Ever. But people love these things. Oh, yeah. And it's like the, the best, well, no, wait a minute. Then six years later in 23, the best-selling basketball shoe of all time. Chuck Taylor, a famous yeah. player. Yep. Do you know who he played for? I don't right off. I'm not very sporty. I've been told if you're not sporty, you use the word sporty. And that I shouldn't yeah, use that I word. Do that. Um, I feel like Niles Crane when I say something like that. <laughs> uh, but in 1923, Chuck Taylor endorsed these. He obviously played b-ball. And it is now the Chuck Taylor All-Stars, the best-selling shoe of all time and if you can find one that says made in the usa inside the tongue rather than vietnam or china you found a good one you can flip that baby for some cash nice yeah and it's hard to find i've never found one that says you they, say they have to be very old and yeah. finding something that old still in decent shape would be very difficult yeah because uh I, I believe the converse is a lot like the van and i don't mean the automobile i mean the vans skateboarding shoe whatever yeah um if you bend it like you're walking, eventually, because of the way they're engineered, that rubber, where it folds, eventually it leaves the shoe right there whenever you bend it. Sure. I mean, I I own a couple pairs of Chuck Taylors. They have I've no never arc, owned them. They have no arch support. They're flat. 
Yeah, I can't do that. And so I could see, you know, given the given the bottom of them is flat like that, I could see over time, you know, that being a, a pressure point that wears, a wear point. I bought some Vans one time. I wore them one, once for about 15 minutes, and I was like, I cannot do this. And that was it. Never been a Vans person. It hurt. Yeah. Never was a skateboard person. Of course, I've also, I work blue collar, and I've been on my feet for 20 years now. And, man, they're, my feet are starting to, uh, they're starting to mutiny. <laughs> you know? But you probably also learned what a good shoe is and what a not a good shoe is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have to have something that costs at least 130 bucks on my feet, you know, at work. Red Wings are your friend. Yeah. Or any shoe named after a state. Okay. Yeah. Georgia boots, Carolina. Good. Those are good boots, buddy. Very good. All right. Now, we're going to go backwards just a little bit to 1898 in a German town that's going to be really hard to pronounce. Um, a German town called... We're going to call it Herzo or Herzo. Herzo, okay. Uh, but it looks like it's Herzo Genarach or something. G-E-N-A-U-R-A-C-H. So you kind of have to do that. You got a loogie stuck in the back of your throat deal. Um, but we're going to call it Herzo. Uh, Rudolf Dessler is yep. born. Rudy is born in 1898 in Herzo. Uh, it's a little town with a river running through it. A river yep. runs through it. There's our first movie title of the podcast. Um, for today. Then in 1900, two years later, his brother Adolf, unfortunate name uh, and state there. Not necessarily 1900, but, but yeah, it's gonna looking be. back. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, so young Addy, as he's later come to be known, I wonder why, yep. uh, is born in 1900. Now, these fellas are industrious during a very industrious time. Um, it's interesting how certain people are born just at the right. All the stars are crossed. They're born at the right time. Um, and their industriousness leads them to create a shoe factory called Gebruder Dassler Shoe Fabric. That wasn't too bad, was it? No, nah, that works. Gebruder Dassler Shoe Fabric. Um, and, it's, of course, it's a shoe factory, and I think it means the Dassler Brothers Shoe Factory. Okay. Gebruder, meaning uh, brother. Uh, and it is, <laughs> because it's such a mouthful, maybe the Germans just know that when they talk, it sounds like a mouthful. <laughs> it's come to be known as Geda. Okay. Geda. So over there, they seem to call a place just one. Like, I know that... Um, long pause. I know that... Uh, Otto Frank and Frank's father, he he ran a spice, a small spice factory, and it was just simply called Opecta. I just think that's, I guess it's a cultural thing that they just call it this really short um, two two syllable name, you know. But this is called Geta. Now, these guys make a mean running shoe. I'm talking mean. Um, they figure out, you know, they put spikes on these shoes. When do they start their factory? They start their factory in in 1919. It seems like it's up and going. Okay. They so around right the same time as the Converse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They end up with 12 workers um, under their employ, and they have a small factory going. But then something big happens. Uh, in 36... Jesse Owens wears their shoe and literally destroys the track 
figuratively and literally. He tears everything up with those spikes at the Olympics while Adolf Hitler is in attendance and watches him win. Yeah, I would imagine being a German shoe company in that situation probably was not great. Right. However, the people that were very upset with Jesse Owens and his victory, they said it was because of the shoes. That he'd have never done that if he hadn't have been wearing the German shoes. So they found the end. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, that puts them on the world stage. And buddy, things get a cranking. However, in 1939, Hitler invades Poland. Yep. Um, today, as we record this podcast, it is Sunday, and uh, a very large military installation, only 12 miles from the Polish border, was bombed and destroyed today by Russia. So it's very it's it's creepy to talk about a major superpower invading Poland <laughs> sitting here tonight, you know. We've gotten like all of the 20th, it feels like we've gotten all of the 20th century in the last two years. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, Hitler invades Poland in 39. Also, my Uncle Sam, who was still with us today, was born in 39. The family said a terrible thing happened and a wonderful thing happened in 39. <laughs> uh, the terrible thing, obviously, being Hitler invading Poland and then Sam coming screaming, soaking wet into the world. Um, their manufacturing plant, their Gerbruder, blah, 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 shoe fabric, uh, was used like every other plant in Germany to shift over to manufacturing wartime material. Support the war effort. Yeah, and evidently theirs had nothing to do with what... I thought they would be shifted over to making boots or something for the Nazis and all this and that, yeah. or uniforms or something. They ended up making the... Uh, the German answer to the bazooka, the Panzer Schreck, um, which I think means the tank. Tank destroyer? Yeah. Or something? Yeah, yeah. tank fear kind of thing. Uh, tank terror, I think. Shrek is, is a monster. Yeah, okay. And his name means kind of terror or yeah. fear. Weird. I mean, I'm sure that's. Yeah, they, they did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's the origin of that, I'm sure. Is it where that'll do? Donkey comes from. That, that line is from that movie, yes. That'll do, donkey. All right. Um, so they end up, but they end up doing that too late. The Panzer Shrek is developed too late. I think if it, I've heard if it had been developed much earlier, we could have had a real problem on our hands. Hmm. Um, but before long, the boys roll into Germany, the Allies, and uh, they see the plant. And they find out, these U.S. boys find out, this is where Jesse Owens got his shoes. Okay. So evidently one of the wives ran out there screaming at him to please don't, you know, don't destroy this. We just want to make uh, our shoes, you know. And uh, so they, the plant is saved. Let's let's hide the fact that we were trying to make weapons to destroy American tanks. We're just, we're just a shoe factory. Yeah, right. And from... I, I, in my studies, I found that uh, they were using POWs from other countries to mm. to make the... Yeah, right. So this gets a little weird. You wouldn't think in the history of sneakers you'd have Nazis. But here we are. Now, if we go back a little bit, we find out that all was not quite well with the Dassler boys. Okay. Uh, when the war kicked into gear. Um, so evidently in 1933, 
Brother Addie took him a 16-year-old lady, youngin, for a wife. Okay. To us, that's seriously creepy. But I guess back then, it's a little bit more acceptable. Yeah, fairly common. Okay. I mean, she ain't got a prom yet. <laughs> you taking your husband to prom? You know, this is weird. Um, the time my great grandmother was eighteen, brace yourself. She had had two sets of twins and two other kids. Six kids at eighteen. Yep. Wow, that's a woman. And she was on her own. Wow. Darn. Yep. Hats off to her. Um. All right. So Addie had taken this very young wife. Um, and he wanted her involved in the business, but she didn't know anything. I mean, she just, she's still wet behind the ears herself. You know what I mean? And they all live together. Yeah. So that's kind of a recipe for, yeah, for some frustrations. Sure. Frustration. Um, well, evidently they were not getting along at all. Uh, and then one day as the allies were bombing Herzo, they were going into the bunker and I get these boys mixed up. Rudy and his wife are approaching the bunker, and he overhears Addie saying, here come the bastards. Wow. And till his dying day, Addie has said that he was obviously referring to the Allies. But Rudy and his wife took it that he meant, here come Rudy and his wife. Yeah. Um, and... That caused an enormous rift that only got wider. Rudy ends up getting drafted. Now, they're trying to run a business. Yeah. At, you know, at this point, they're still making shoes. Uh, Rudy ends up getting drafted, but he blames his brother for making that happen so that his brother could take full control of the biz. Huh. So there's a lot of paranoia going on here. Sure. It gets worse. So Rudy ends up leaving his post to run home and check on the business and make sure he and his wife still have some say. And he gets arrested for leaving his post for desertion. Uh, he finally gets out of that because they need every man they can spare. They put him back out at his post. He deserts again and is captured by the Allies. All right, well, his brother tells the Allies that he's a Gestapo agent. Wow. So he ends up being a POW because of his brother's lie. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Yeah, it's pretty awful. So <laughs> by the time in 45 that the wife runs out and says, we just wanted, you know, have our family business. This is where Jesse Owens had his shoes made uh, and saves the plant. There's, they're basically not even talking to one another, yeah. you know, once they see each other. So... They both end up having a plant on either side of the river, and it totally splits this town, Herzo, after the war. Now, this is where we start to hear names that we are going to recognize. The town divides into two sections. Addie creates Adidas. We call it Adidas. Yep. Rudy creates Ruda. But Ruda, uh, it just doesn't roll off the tongue the way Adidas does. Um, and so somehow he ends up finding the word Puma okay. and changing his to Puma. And thus a great giant sneaker world um, 
Rivalry? Rivalry begins. Yes. You uh, you ever seen any of the red versus blue videos on YouTube? I think I have. Red versus blue has Halo characters. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I can't hear Puma without thinking of... I think it looks more like a Puma. What in Sam Hell is a Puma? Uh, you mean like a shoe company? No. Like a Puma. It's a big cat. Like a lion. You're making that up. I'm telling you, it's a real animal. I hear Puma and I immediately go there. That's understandable. Huh. Now, Rudy could sell. He could really sell his shoe. But Addy was really, he had this knack for getting his shoe on the feet of athletes. Okay. And, you know, the public, that's who we see. We don't see these board meetings with Rudy making a good sales pitch. We see the athlete's foot. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and there's a brand right there, athlete's foot. Is that a brand or just a disease or a fungus? Wasn't there a, isn't there a, a athlete's foot powder? Uh, there's several powders to treat athlete's foot, but that's just a fungus. I don't think there's any brand called that. Oh, it just treat. Ah, okay. Well, then we should Tenac- not include that. Tenactin. Is that what, t- and, is that what tough acting Tenactin yeah, is about? Yeah, and there's another one. Okay, see, when I hear tough acting Tenactin, I just think of the great John Madden. You know, with the big hands and the fingers spread out real wide. <laughs> and the Raiders. So Rudy could sell. Addy could get his on the athletes. 1954. Okay. German World Cup. The World Cup, the Germans, they wear the Adidas shoes. Uh, Rudy had a chance to get his shoes on the Germans, but he had a falling out in one of these little board meetings. And so his brother, (laughs) Addy, steps in to stab him in the back once again. Uh, And the Germans, I forget who they beat, but but they're the underdogs, and they win. And, of course, the whole world can see what's on their feet, and it just, you know, goes nuts. And Adidas kind of leads Puma through this, um, I think, till the end. I mean, even today, those three stripes, I think that's way cooler than a Puma shoe. We think... We think of Adidas now as playing like second fiddle to Nike in the U.S. But if you're just comparing Adidas and Puma, I would agree. Although, as someone who played soccer in high school, I actually think Puma might be bigger with soccer players. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. But Adidas is much broader than that, I would say. Yeah. Now, as you know, all right, in NASCAR... Where they just kind of turn left. <laughs> uh, if two guys are in the, you know, if you got a, two guys duking it out in the front, the guy in third place is probably going to win because, you know, he's getting he that draft. fresh air. Yeah, he's drafting behind them while they're fighting, and then if he'll if he'll pull out at the right time, he'll fly by the first two and he'll win, hands down, no problem. Well, that's what happened as these guys are duking it out. Reebok. Steps in, and now this is pre-late 70s with Nike, but Reebok steps in, steps into the whole world of personal fitness, um, the, the jogging suit kind of thing um, for jogging and running, and Reebok runs away, runs away with it up until the late 70s. Yep. All right. So before we get into Nike, 
Um, I just want to say how sad it is that these brothers, evidently when one of them passed away, he was getting ready to pass away. He, he asked for his brother to come and his brother was contacted and he said, nope. Wow. So it was that big a deal. It was that. Yeah. Um, and in the town, they say that in that town of Herzog that, uh, you, you went, you were on your side of the river. So the people at your grocery store wore Adidas, you wore Adidas. Yeah, it's an Adi- this is an Adidas house. We work for Adidas. We yeah. wear Adidas. Yeah, and we better not see any Puma. Right, and yeah. then and then likewise with the other. That's really sad, you know. Yep. All right. Now we get into some big time, really big time sneaker stuff that just ruled the world. Okay. Nineteen sixty four. Blue Ribbon Sports. Is founded by Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman. Now, today, we know Blue Ribbon Sports as... Nike. Yeah, Nike. That same year, they import something called the Onitsuka Tiger Athletic Shoe from Nippon or Japan. Okay. Yeah, it's 74. 64. 64. 1970, Bowerman... One day he's sitting on his couch in his living room and he's like, huh, got an idea. And he goes and melts a bunch of rubber <laughs> and he pours it. I'm sure his wife loved this. He poured it into his wife's waffle iron and creates the first waffle soul. I'd never heard of this. Oh, yeah. It's a kind of an infamous story with sports shoes. Huge moment, evidently. Absolutely. Huge moment. Um, 1971, Blue Ribbon Sports. Changes their name to a Greek word for victory, Nike. We call it Nike. And I wonder if they changed it to Nike or Nike. Oh, what what the early pronunciation was? Yeah, because hmm. you know Doctor Seuss was not called Doctor Seuss, Doctor Seuss, but we call him. And like Hot Wheels, that drove that founder bonkers. It's not supposed to be Hot Wheels. It's supposed to be Hot Wheels. But we didn't pick it up as Hot Wheels. We picked it up as Hot Wheels. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah. So I just wonder if they, how they wanted that to really, to really go down. Um, also, in 1971, or we get to 1971, they changed their name to Nike. And a lady named Carolyn Davidson, who was a design student at Portland University, creates the swoosh logo. And they pay her a hefty sum of 30 five dollars wow i've seen an interview with her yeah and she is resentful to this day <laughs> she's not real resentful but she's like man i got screwed on that deal should have should have had some kind of agreement of i uh, get one percent of your sales man oh that's so sad probably could have got away with it then because nobody would have thought one percent was much but right in a nike sales today she never worked again in a day in her life ever or her kids yep wow so that's in 71. Carolyn Davidson creates the swoosh logo. 1972, the moon shoe or the waffle racer makes its debut. with, And it's the first shoe with the swoosh on the shoe. Okay. That's in 72. They're handed out to athletes at the Olympic trials that year. Also in 72, Nike, the Nike Cortez is handed out at the Mexico Olympics. And it has, the Cortez has the first foam cushioning. Okay. 
So now we're, we're getting along here. 1973, the Blazer basketball shoe. NBA star George Gervin, Gerwin wears it. Okay. You ever heard of him? I've heard the name, but I'm not, I'm not real familiar. Okay. And see there we see, I mean, that's smart. Get this thing on somebody's foot that's on TV. Sure. Yeah, so people can see it. Nike's really an underdog at this point. Right, In yeah. the world of sports shoes. Yeah. yeah. All right. 1974, the Waffle Racer is released to the public. And it is the becomes the best-selling shoe on the market. Okay. 1978. Oh, the Nike Tailwind is the first to have air pockets. Now we're getting somewhere. But I didn't know it was that far back. 19, and when you look at it, you can't really, it doesn't look like you, it looks like a normal shoe, but there's a pocket of air in there somewhere. Um, 1982, the Air Force One is released. I didn't know that was that far back. Okay. 1982, the Air Force One is released, and it's the first to have air in the sole, which makes me think, well, where was the air in the other one? Yeah. Where else would it be? Maybe uh, kind of like what would later be. I'm trying to think of the the shoes that were really popular in the 90s where you would pump air so they snugged up to your foot. Like they had a little thing on the tongue where you'd pump I made it. that. I think everybody made it. I don't know who originally yeah, came out with it. Yeah. Reebok had one. I think Nike had one. Um, most of them made it. I don't know who the originator was. But maybe that air pocket had more to do with a snug fit. Than, than cushioning. If you have a young listener listening, turn your radio down or your phone down just for 15 seconds. There we go. Uh, now, for men that Viagra won't work for them, they, they, they can insert a small pump on your side. I'm not kidding. Uh, you, I don't know what to say. And you can pump up the jam. So I think that's, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? All right, 1983, the Air Pegasus debuts for runners. 1983, the Air Pegasus. 1984, here we go. What is it, Jared? Do you know? 1984. Jordan. Air Jordan, baby. With the logo of the, quote, jump man. Yep. With the legs spread out. and Yeah. I always thought, how in the crap does this dude fly like this? I can't even really touch the doorway at home. The top of the doorway of the house. A very, a very young, very talented athlete. Man, and that that is an endorsement deal for the ages. For the ages. To me, that's. I know you talked about Nike having like best-selling shoes in particular categories prior to this. Yeah, but to me, that's really what made Nike what it is today. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's synonymous with that last name, Jordan. Yeah. So that's 84. 85, that is actually released to the public. Um, and also that's the year the Dunk is released. Nike Dunks. Okay. First released. 87, Nike's first Air Max is released. 88, now this is great right here. We've had Waffle Irons, Nazis, Rivers, 16-year-old wives, I said rivers. <laughs> All right, but now we're going to have a serial killer in, in the mix. 1988, Just Do It is inspired by killer Gary Gilmore's last words, let's do it. 
I had no idea where that originated from. Me neither. Wow. So just do it. I guess they're meaning flip the switch on the electric chair or go jogging. I don't know. But yeah, just do it. I saw somebody jogging this morning and it was like 18 degrees and me and the wife were on the way to church and I was like, just do it, baby. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's freezing cold. Just do it. I mean, that's that's a great logo, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't feel good. I'm fat. I'm this. I'm that. Well, just do it. Um, let's see here. 95. The Air Max 95 is released. 96. Tiger Woods signs on. The much ballyhooed golf player that likes the ladies. Um, 97. The Air Max 97 was released. 2000. The Nike Shocks. I had no idea these things were this old, some of them. Nike Shocks. So when I was in high school, we had team shoes okay. that went with our uniform. It was yeah. part of our uniform. And they were Nike Shocks for basketball in high school. Okay. Oh, three. Nike buys Converse. Yep. Oh, wait. Nike buys. That's a bad year to buy something. But oh, wait. <laughs> Nike buys Umbro. It's a good year to buy something if you have money. That's true. Oh, that's true. Yes, yeah, very good. Oh wait, Nike buys Umbro, um, and they're just—it just goes on and on and on. I mean, they're a monster. Yeah, I saw where they—they've bought a lot of these companies, but they've also sold a lot of them since right. then. But I think they still have Converse. In 2015, they produced a limited amount of the self-lacing Nike Mag. Remember yeah, what? this was this was the Back to the Future shoe. Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah. Yeah. Released in 89 in the movie. Yeah, Back to the Future Part 2. Self-lacing. Yep. I'd love, see, I do a little flipping on the side, some reselling. I would kill to find that at a yard sale. I'm sure. Somebody who has those probably know what knows what they have, though. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know what they have. But, yeah, you're right. They, they look so weird. They're an eyebrow razor. Yeah, it was also something you didn't just go to the store and buy. Like, you had to special order. So, at least at this stage... The people who have it know what they have. That's true. Yeah. You know, 20 years from now, it might not be the case. All right. Now, what are you wearing right now? I'm wearing boots. Uh, I think they're Rockies. Rocky makes a great boot. Yeah, I think they're Rockies. I'm a 45-year-old guy in uh, Skechers slip-ons. Okay. <laughs> Blue Skechers slip-ons that really feel good on my feet. They're kind of my weekenders. Yeah, so I've heard Skechers are for middle-aged men, and I guess I just fell into that category. Oh, I, I thought New Balance. New Balance are dad shoes. Uh, now, New Balance 990, that's a that's a big deal, Jack. People pay bit bang for New Balance 990. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, New Balance, oh, that's a good shoe. Of course, I'm in my 40s, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Then that's, that's about what I had on the... Sneaker. I didn't really discover why we say tennis shoe. Do we still say that? Yeah. Um, Get your tennis it's shoes. A, it's a term. I mean, it's yeah, kind of a slang term for it. Presumably, some of the early early ones were worn to play tennis. I mean, what else would you have worn to play tennis? Right. Have you seen? Oh gosh. And oh gosh is not the name of the movie. Legends of the Fall. I don't, don't think so. You haven't seen Legends of the Fall? Uh, it doesn't. You doesn't need to see tonight. That's an okay. epic movie. Okay. Um, I think uh, Brad Pitt, Julia Ormond, I think is the love interest. It take, but you see World War One. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the father was involved in the Indian Wars. But they play, there's a section in there. Oh, and it's the guy from E.T. as a young man. Okay. Yeah. He's a little older, obviously. But uh, anyway. It's Elliot. Yes. So the guy that played Elliot, he brings her home. And they live like in Montana or something. I don't know, it's beautiful, you know, mountain range in the background, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they play badminton or tennis. And uh, the dad, or Brad Pitt makes fun of them and says, you look like a couple of snow cones. But they were wearing like a sneaker shoe. Yeah, something, made me something like a Converse or something. Yeah. yeah. And the time period would have been, it was right before World War One. Okay. Yeah. So, so. Probably that predecessor to to Converse you referenced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's about uh, that's about what I got. Now I know we missed a lot, but it's a big tent. Sneakers sure. is a big tent. Sure. I mean, you referenced you get into specific styles like like Vans, like skate shoes, and I I really think of Chuck Taylors as more a fashion statement anymore yeah then because they're not practical to play basketball even the high tops offer no support right and so really someone's wearing those they're wearing them because they chose to you know it's it's not just a shoe you go out and buy but yeah it's a it's very it's a very broad subject there's a lot of little streams you could go down i I didn't forget one thing are you familiar with the whole rap culture thing you got to be more specific. Run DMC. They had that song, My Adidas. Uh, it's a little early for me. Okay. So they, uh, they... I think I've heard of it. That song was in response to another song that was making fun of... I think there was a song that was making fun of the way prisoners wore their shoes in prison without the laces mm. or something. And Suicide Risk. Yeah. Great band name. There it is. We got a band name. That's awful. Suicide Risk is opening for Kielbasa Preschool. <laughs> but, uh, so, Run DMC took offense to them making fun of the people in the prisons, and they began to wear Adidas without the laces, and the tongue stuck way out. Uh, I remember that look from the 90s. I was a kid. And they had a song, and evidently there's a story about one of the Adidas... Uh, I don't know, he wasn't a board member, but some high up exec heard about this and decided he'd go check it out. And when the song began to play at the concert, he went to the concert. I bet he stuck out like a handful of sore thumbs too. But when the song began to play, it is told that people took their shoes off and held them in the air like some sort of solidarity. It was a big moment. And he was like, oh, we onto something. And so they contacted Run DMC and, it, and there you go. All of a sudden you got worlds colliding so not only can you put the shoe on on an athlete you can put the shoe on an entertainer sure definitely i mean the number of references in popular music to air jordans alone yeah bang because air jordans are a status symbol as much as anything else anymore right now if i walked in here in a pair of air jordans you'd probably crack up <laughs> you know what i mean i don't know i i, I looked at buying... that's not how i dress you yeah know? I looked at getting an, a, a pair fairly recently, and if I was playing basketball more like I used to, I probably would, but I, I was like, I don't really have a, a a use case for them. Right. They would be gym shoes, and that would be it, yeah. but I don't really have a, have a use case for them right now. Watching me play basketball is 
probably like watching the Pope manage a strip club. I mean, it's just not going to go. It's just, you know, me and basketball just don't go together at all. So, yeah. Well, I was I was tall growing up, so it was automatically assumed that I could play basketball. And so I did. I played basketball, but I was not coordinated. Oh, okay. uh, as I find with a lot of tall people I talk to, height and coordination don't don't seem to go together. But if you're tall enough, you can kind of make up for some of that. I've always thought the... I've always thought that the game would be better if they scored less. You know, I, I, personally, I think a basketball game would be better if if you didn't hit a hundred points. I think the fact that you're hitting a hundred points, you know, both teams sometimes is that's a I don't know. I just so, think that's weird. So you would prefer a pre-shot clock era because you had that. I mean, one of the reasons for yes. the shot clock was to essentially keep teams from just being able to hold, you know, hold the ball. And run the clock. I don't think. Okay, if they could now, basketball fans are going to want me crucified, and that's fine. There's always somebody out there, so at least now we know who it's going to be. But I now I, I think they ought to do a thing where you can't hold the ball for more than whatever. It's like they do now. I don't think you can just stand there and hold the ball if you're closely guarded. Yeah, there's a limit on time. Yeah, you're going to get rid of the ball, but I don't think you're. I think I just think a and I. I've heard that the guy that invented the game was asked by his grandson at a game one time, "What do you did you ever think it would be like this?" And evidently, he, his grandfather said, "I never thought they'd score this many points." Hmm. Yeah. Well, so maybe everybody's so daggum tall. I think it would be better if you were <laughs> if you were five eight or less, you could play. It's just kind of silly to me. You know what I'm saying? But it is. It's like. It's like if we went to your nephew's house and lowered the goal and we're like, oh, watch this, what? I rule the world, you know? And it's like, dude, the, the goal's at like five feet. What are you doing? And to me, it's like that. It's just silly. Okay. I mean, you get these guys that are seven feet tall. Well, I could do that if I'm seven feet tall. Good grief, you know? So, and I know I couldn't if I said, I'm just saying. <laughs> when you score that many points, it's just kind of weird to me. So well, I much prefer college ball to to NBA. NBA definitely. NBA bores me most of the time because the players don't look like they want to be there. Just kind of walk the ball up and down yeah. the court. And these college guys, they're I mean, it's they're it's the they have they have something to play for. So. It's like it's been announced that the losing team is all beheaded. You know, at the end, and yeah. they're gonna win. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's sneakers. All right. That's all I got. Yeah, when when you came to me with this one, uh, I immediately thought of because I was familiar with the the Puma Adidas story, and that my mind went there, and then of course it went to to Phil Niden's the start of of Nike, but and yeah. rubber being poured into a waffle iron. Yep, I had never. I'm gonna be honest. I had never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure his wife was absolutely thrilled. What is this? I can't put Cairo syrup on that yet. Absolutely. You can uh, find us on social media at WMUH Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can email us, WMUHpodcast at gmail.com. We always love to hear from our listeners and look forward to hearing from you. Yes. All right, John, anything else? That's it, man. Uh, we got a great show coming up next week. I'm not sure what it's going to be about, but I know it's going to be great. I haven't told them the topic yet, but we will get to that. All right. See you next week. See you guys later.